live from the NBC Radio Broadcasting Studios of KGAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California, and also in parallel with the Church Sub Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Welcome to Church Radio and the Water Zone. Thanks for tuning into the Water Zone uh, this evening, and tonight is Ag Night. We have some great special guests, have a great host who usually does this show, and her name is Miss Ingie Bistoner. Ingie, welcome to the Water Zone. Hey, thank you, Rob. Uh, Happy New Year to you and um, and to all those people out in the water world today. We got everybody on the phone, so we're very excited. Sorry we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we resolved that. And I uh, hope everybody had a safe and wonderful New Year's, and we're off to a good start in 2020 because we're all alive, and nothing bad has happened today, so we're very excited. <laughs> yeah, it's much better than the alternative, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Rob, we have we have an um, outstanding lineup tonight. Um, as uh, frequent listeners to the Water Zone may re- recall, usually our January Ag Show gives a preview of a very important conference that occurs at the end of, uh, usually the end of January or the beginning of February uh, of each year, and that's the California Irrigation Institute Conference. So we have with us today um, the Executive Director and the President of CII for the top of the hour interview to give a little preview of that conference. And then at the bottom of the hour, we have also a very special guest, uh, Mr. Don Spear from Precision Laboratories, talk about some exciting new technology that irrigators are using um, to help optimize their irrigation systems, called irrigation water optimizers. So without further ado, um, Jim and Catherine, are you are you uh, on the line with us? I'm here. Good evening. I'm here. Uh, very good. Well, Happy New Year to both of you. Uh, for our listening audience, let me give a little background on each of you before we dive into the conference preview. Uh, so Jim Anschutz is a, um, actually, he's a, he's a repeat guest of, uh, of the Water Zone. He's been on before for a number of different um, occasions. But uh, for those of you that haven't met him before, he's a registered professional ag engineer from California, and he has over 30 years of experience in the California ag industry. He's currently the founder and owner of a company called Ag H2O, which is located in Fresno, California. And Ag H2O was also a member of the Water, Energy, and Technology Center, which is located at Fresno State University. Uh, Jim has had um, some exciting positions in his career. He was um, He's had executive positions with leading drip irrigation manufacturers, both domestically and abroad. And he was an irrigation engineer for Superior Farming Company, where he was responsible for irrigation services on 40,000 acres of diversified ag. That's where I met him back decades ago. <laughs> and he was also a partner in an ag farm management company with Metropolitan Life Insurance and an irrigation manager for Modesto Irrigation District. And he is currently our president of California Irrigation Institute this year. So welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you, Iggy. Happy to be here. Happy New Year to everyone. Very good. Very good. Yes. And uh, let me introduce Catherine as well. Um, Catherine uh, has been executive director for the California Irrigation Institute for the past five years. And Catherine previously worked for the California Farm Water Coalition and Reclamation District 108. She and her husband, Tom, 
partner who, who she met at CII, so that's kind of a little CII love story. <laughs> they farm almonds in the San Joaquin Valley along with citrus, tree fruit, and birds with her husband's family. So welcome to the show, Catherine, as well. Thank you, Indy. So, Catherine, we'll, we'll start off with you. Tell us just a little bit about yourself and about the California Irrigation Institute. Well, as you mentioned, um, currently my family and I are farming here in the San Joaquin Valley, and so um, I also part-time, I work for the California Irrigation Institute, and I'm the person that helps put the logistics together for the conference that comes up each year. Um, This year it is January 27th and 28th um, in Sacramento at the Doubletree Hotel. And the purpose of the institute is, Um, to put together an annual event um, that focuses on a variety of topics um, in irrigation and water. And we like to pride ourselves that we are the oldest independent forum on water since 1962. So our conference is attended by a real diverse group of, of individuals. So we have folks from government agencies like CDFA, Department of Water Resources, the Bureau of Recognition, UC Cooperative Extension, and water managers, and irrigation manufacturers, and consultants, and growers, and um, it's a real diverse group of people um, working in our water industry. And students, too. We're getting some students at the conference now. Yes, that is definitely a growing sector. It's been exciting. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. But we love it when farmers come, too. That's, That's especially. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> good uh, when, you know, the folks that uh, feed us and, you know, uh, quite frankly, use a lot of the California uh, uh, irrigation water when they come and participate in, uh, you know, the water business of our state. So this year we have an exciting um, lineup. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it, um, in particular the keynote and also the uh, luncheon speaker? Yeah, we can, um, I think, have an exciting keynote this year. We have um, Dr. Peter Williams, and Dr. Peter Williams, um, he was one of the key people um, at IBM. He was formerly the chief technology officer. So definitely he has a long history in the water industry where he has um, worked developing environmental environmental management programs and water management programs, um, focusing on large data and extrapolating um, meaningful uses out of that. But um, unlike some that come from engineering backgrounds and whatnot, um, definitely he's an individual from the big tech industry. And um, I think he just brings a fresh perspective to um, our water world and some of the challenges that we're facing and solutions as well. Um, he's been to CII before and was very popular, but this time he, he was so popular, we, we invited him this year to be the keynote. And yeah, then, I remember um, when he was a, a panelist, and he was an excellent panelist because he's just been in the high-tech sector so long. And yeah, so and I think just company. a different angle, coming at the same issues but just from a different perspective, and it's, it's been refreshing, I think, for individuals. Well, definitely so. fits with the program um theme, which is this year, California Water, Cultivating the Future, and has a really cool um, uh, program design. I think you did a great job of working on that, Catherine. It's really high-tech, but it has a nice big plant on it, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people 
people can see that on the uh, on the website. But it's a kind of a cool uh, blue and black and green uh, theme. You know, denotes water and plants and then tech. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Since that technology is so much of our daily lives and most likely our future. So. Yeah, yeah. And then how about the luncheon speaker? Who do we have uh, yeah. for that? So we have Eric Kuhn, and he is a retired general manager of the Colorado River Water Conservation District, but he is now an author of a hot-off-the-press book that he has co-authored with John Fleck, um, another known water author, um, and the new book is called Science Be Dams, How Ignoring Inconvenient Science Drains the Colorado River. Um, you know, I don't think it's a secret that the Colorado River has been oversubscribed and that has just created many challenges, but um, his co-author, John Fleck, um, is also a well-known author, and I believe, Ingy, you've enjoyed one of his books, um, is it water is for fighting? Water is for fighting over, um, which is some fairly well known too. So we're we're really yep, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, book, book shelf right now, and he's been a previous Water Zone guest. He was it was really really um, interesting to talk to him about that book, and I believe that he has been to CII as well in the past. I'm not sure. He's he's also a, a professor, so we hope to have him this year too. But he. Um, teaching classes, but definitely yeah. we're, we're fortunate to have his co-author, Eric Kuhn, and come and present their literally hot off the press. Um, I think if it's not technically out for purchase, it will be like any day now. Um, yeah, well, I'm sure it'll be a good book, book because his, his, his first one was really great, just talking about the whole issue of water in the West. And, you know, it had some really positive things at the end of how we can do a better job and and get some good results. It's not all, um, you know, depressing and naysaying. Yeah, we have a future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, we just have to do the right thing. All right, well, Mm -hmm. cool. Well, thanks for for that review, and I'll move over to Jim. And uh, Jim asked you to tell us a little bit about yourself as well and your service on the CII board. All right, well, I think you did a good job of introducing me and uh, talking a little bit about my background. I've been in the water industry my entire career, and I have to say, looking back on, now it's almost 40 years, not 30 years, I've enjoyed every moment and feel blessed to have been uh, able to be involved in in this industry. Uh, The last three, four years, I have been uh, on the board of directors there at the California Irrigation Institute, and it's been a real pleasure. I've had the opportunity to work with uh, very knowledgeable people with extremely diverse backgrounds. And sometimes that could be a challenge, but it could be very interesting also. Because if you're on one side of the water users, you think you have all the solutions, you find out you may be creating an issue within another water user's space. So I think that's what's uh, uh, very exciting about the California Irrigation Institute is we look at all water users, urban, domestic, and agriculture, and try and come up with a program that appeals to everyone that's using our water supply. Yeah, I I, um, I would have to agree with that because I'm like you, Jim. I come from the agricultural sector, and I think I've been on the board for 10 years at CII, and it, it just really, um, it almost forces you to deal with all the other um, 
you know, stakeholders in California water in particular. So the urban, the environmental, the agricultural sectors. And it's been so much fun for me as well. And I'm so glad that you have been on the board. You brought so much um, expertise and passion to it. Um, and now as president, you get to, you know, preside over the meeting uh, coming at the end of the month. And I'm really excited about that. Maybe, and I maybe, also look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe you can give us an overview of some of the sessions since Catherine's already gone over the, the lunch speaker and the, uh, and the keynote. It's a day-and-a-half program. And it's pretty action-packed, so I'll try and do a brief overview of exactly what uh, we're going to be doing for those two days. Uh, after we hear from our keynote speaker, Dr. Peter Williams, and I know him very well, and I'm excited to, uh, to hear what he has to say. Uh, I will uh, chair and moderate an opening panel, and this will give us a bit of an overview of what the entire day and a half will encompass. And then we're going to drill down into some of the topics in more detail and have several speakers to talk about these high-level type items. The opening panel, I think we have a great group of people. Uh, one that I know very well, his name is Derek Williams. He's with Montgomery & Associates. And I met him because he's the uh, engineer hydrologist that's putting together the planning for the upcoming SIGBA or the now current SIGBA. Uh, legislation that we have. And I met with uh, him and uh, several of his associates there at Montgomery, and I'm asking him to talk about their vision for how to strategically implement the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. They're working on the Sigma plan uh, for the Paso Robles Basin, and that area in particular is totally dependent upon groundwater. So it's a, a very difficult area to try and come up with how are we going to continue to allow development both urban and domestic and also keep our our wine grape region growing over there so i look forward to him talking to the group about i think what in my opinion looking at a lot of the uh, sigma uh, programs throughout the state is a very practical and uh, financially sound way to implement this program and then we have jason phillips from uh, the Front Water Authority. He's going to talk about the water blueprint for the San Joaquin Valley. A much broader scope of what's going on in the San Joaquin Valley, which has access both to groundwater and surface water. And also within the opening panel, we have Felicia Marcus. She was a former chair, State Water Resources Control Board. And she'll be talking to us about everything from the environmental and urban uh, perspective. So I really, I've heard her speak many times. Uh, she's a fantastic uh, speaker, and I, I really look forward to hearing what she has to say uh, come January 27th. Then we have uh, Tommy Oswilla, who's the Associate Vice President at Fresno State, and he's responsible for the President's Water Initiative. He's going to talk to us about educating the next generation of water managers. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Ingy knows how passionate I am about that. We need to get young uh, brilliant minds, extremely excited about moving into this water industry because we need their, their help and their expertise. So Tommy's going to talk about what they're doing there at Fresno State. That's well, our, our opening uh, panel. Yes, I was just going to say, I was just going to interject here. If our, um, if our student attendees are any indication uh, that we've had in the past, uh, we, we do 
we do have a lot of hope. We have some brilliant minds that are coming into the industry, and it uh, um, makes me really happy. <laughs> I think it's all of our responsibility to get them excited about the opportunities in this industry because it truly is in the future going to be a new frontier. Yes. So all right, the opening so panel that, will set the stage. Yes. And then you have a couple of split sessions where – Ag and urban folks uh, split up and have different topics that they discuss. Tell us a little bit about those. Sessions after lunch where we'll split up, and you can choose which session you would like to uh, attend, and you can move back and forth. Hear about some of the uh, uh, things that are going on in agriculture, and then also uh, the things that are going on with the other water users within the urban arena. So we'll be talking about uh, sigma in particular within agriculture, the effectiveness beyond compliance. Compliance is what the state's been working on. Now we need to find out how do we effectively implement that. So we have many uh, talented speakers from different uh, areas within the uh, water world talking to us about how we're going to function effectively and, and financially healthy uh, while we implement uh, Sigma. The urban group it's always an exciting one for me to, uh, to participate in and, and sit in on the meetings is alternative water sources. We have so many sources of water that we need to make better use of. And we have some great speakers talking about what they've been doing within their particular areas and what we might be thinking about in the future uh, and how to collaborate both agriculture and the urban in order to maximize the use and the value of the water that we have here in California. That looks really exciting, and I see some of the speakers, uh, you know, they range from government, from the California Department of Water Resources, to consultants, to uh, the Nature Conservancy, to a lawyer, to the California On-Site Water Association, and then the industry, somebody from Hunter Industries, somebody we know very well, Warren Gorowitz, water reuse in a city. So that looks really good, Jim. I I, uh, have to applaud the folks that... um, uh, lined up these sessions. And so, again, we have a very long session, a great session. We have a session two where we'll split out again, and the agriculture will actually address the cultivating our next water managers, or how are we going to educate people about the water industry in order to better service uh, growers within uh, agriculture, and then also urban. Uh, they will do an, uh, an urban regulatory update, give us an idea of what uh, is happening uh, this new year and uh, some of the years here to come. So we have some real challenges on both sides there. And as I say, one of my passions in this industry for so long is educating. So we have some great speakers. We have Stuart Stiles, the director for the Irrigation Training Research Center at Cal Poly. And we have uh, Charles Abey. He's a professor from the College of the Sequoias, which is the unique place over in Visalia. Both of those, along with others, are going to talk to us about what they're doing within the academic world in order to prepare these students to enter into uh, this water space that we've been operating in for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, that looks really exciting. Um, and as you say, you're so passionate about it. It does not surprise you know, session here of, you know, what sort of skills are we going to need? How are we going to get them? What are the universities and the 
college is doing to get them get, get everybody prepared for the future. All this uh, big data and stuff in irrigation and water management. It's here. It's here now. We need the people now. <laughs> the uh, water industry is one of the last to really adopt technology in using water more effectively. And so that's why we need these young, talented people to move into this uh, into this industry and help us uh, to come up with uh, reasonable solutions to some of the uh, the issues that are at hand. Yeah. yeah. And then the next morning, we're actually going to cap things off with two joint sessions where agriculture and urban come back in, and we kind of we try and wrap up uh, what took place in the opening panel and in the separate sections of the day before. So we are actually going to have two two sessions uh, on the second day, and one is titled Precious Water, Where Are We Now, and What Can We Do? So we'll have several people from uh, the universities, uh, from government, talking about uh, where we are now and what we can do in the future. And I look forward to it. And we have a, a new guest this year actually coming from the golf industry down in Southern California, Gary Ingram. He's a senior agronomist, and I really look forward to uh, listening to him because the golf courses do have a tremendous challenge since the grasses. Uh, they take a, a tremendous amount of water, and he's going to tell us what they're doing in order to conserve water and maintain all those uh, grass areas out there for the people that enjoy golf. Second session is actually titled Perspectives on California Agriculture. It's an interactive session. Inky Bisconner and Kerry Pollard. Kerry Pollard is the uh, vice president of CII and will take over as president next year. But uh, as Inky said, she's been on the board for 10 years, and I know the two of them have an exciting interactive session. Uh, Inky, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, how that's structured, who's going to participate? Yeah, uh, this was an idea that Carrie brought forward that um, she had experienced in another conference this past year where the panel was actually um, interactive with the audience in kind of a tech sort of way. So the way we structured this is that we have um, a representative from ag, from urban, and from the environment as panelists, and then also a journalist um, on the panel, uh, Chris Maven. I'm sorry, Chris Austin of Maven's Notebook, which uh, Water Zone people will know very well. She usually opens the show. Uh, so the panelists will be, uh, you know, up on stage, and then Carrie and I have prepared some controversial statements to pose to the panelists, and they will then um, basically agree or disagree with the statement and um, tell the audience why. And then the audience is going to be able, through a phone app, they're going to be able to weigh in whether they agree and disagree uh, with the controversial statement as well. And then those results will be shown up on the board. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Carrie said it was a, a really great way to get everybody interactive and involved rather than just listening and asking questions. So really looking forward to that. So maybe we can encourage all of those listeners to go to our website and take a look at the detail within each one of the sessions, and I think they'll be as excited as we are about uh, attending this year's meeting in Sacramento on the 27th and 28th. 
Yes. Um, so, and, and Catherine, do you have anything to add about the cost of attendance or the sponsors before we wrap up and go to commercials? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as Jim pointed out, our website um, can be found at www.caii.org, and you can easily find um, and download a PDF copy of our program that specifies everything that we've talked about today. Um, again, the conference is January 27th and 28th in Sacramento, and the cost is $275 per person. Um, so that includes two luncheons and access to um, our reception Monday night um, with wine and hors d'oeuvres. And, of course, we'd like to thank our platinum sponsors. Um, we have CoBank, a bank, a financial institution for cooperatives and Metropolitan Water District, um, I believe the largest urban wholesaler. So we are very grateful to their contributions to make our event possible. Yes, yes, we are. And we also have an award, an Irrigation Person of the Year. We have student posters, uh, the exhibition area. People can get uh, continuing education units. Uh, a lot of value in this conference. And... Um, Really, really looking forward to a full house again. I mean, we basically outgrew the old venue, and we're in a larger hotel and venue this year. So, yes, um, well, I think to happen. Yes, yes, it's a good time for it to happen. So, thank you, Catherine and Jim, for um, previewing the conference. We hope our listening audience, uh, some of them, will come on up to Sacramento and you know, participate with us. Um, if you don't have anything else to add, I'll uh, kick it back to Rob to go to commercial. Thank you, Inge. You're Thank you, Inge. Thank you, everyone. All right. Well, welcome back to The Water Zone. Uh, this is Inge Bisconner, host of The Water Zone Ag Podcast, and we're at the bottom of the hour, and we have uh, our second uh, guest for this evening, who is um, going to speak with us about irrigation water optimizers. Welcome to the show, Mr. Don Spear. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. You're very, very welcome. I, I'm sure people will be very interested in what um, you have to say. I know that I was when I learned about it. Yeah, so for our listening audience, let me tell them a little bit about you. You're um, a, a recently retired, as of one day ago, <laughs> a business manager for Precision Laboratories. Um, LLC, and it is um, a company that makes a product called Irrigation Water Optimizer. Um, John, you hold a Bachelor of Science degree in ornamental, hortic <coughs> ornamental Horticulture from the University of Illinois School of Agriculture, and throughout your 43-year career, you have successfully served as a golf course superintendent, a sales professional, a sales manager, and a product manager in the turf and agricultural markets. And for the past two years, Don has been working with Precision's product development and sales and marketing teams to develop and refine their line of irrigation water optimizers. This is a category of products that growers inject into their irrigation systems to optimize the performance of the water, the plants, the nutrients, and all the crop production uh, protection input. You've also been an advocate working with grower associations to communicate the message of how to produce high-quality crops, utilizing less water and other limited resources. So, 
Don, how, how did you get into agriculture? And, um, and then tell us a little bit about Precision Labs and the various products and markets the company works in. Great. Well, thank you, Angie. Yeah, actually, uh, you covered it pretty well. I, my, early in my career, I was in the uh, turf and ornamental side of the business. And uh, as a golf course superintendent, I, had to, uh, I was responsible for irrigation practices uh, on an 18-hole golf course. And that's where I kind of got my start in terms of managing irrigation. And even back then on the turf side of the business, uh, what we call irrigation water optimizers or soil surfactants were being used uh, quite readily on golf courses to, uh, to manage water on playing surfaces. Um, came to Precision Laboratories and uh, <clears throat> managed our turf and ornamental business for my four- first 14 years at the company. And then about two years ago, I was asked if I would uh, step into the role of uh, product manager for our irrigation water optimizers in agriculture. And so for the past two years, as you said, I, I've worked on uh, developing and working on marketing and advocacy around the use of irrigation water optimizers uh, to allow growers to better utilize the water that they have available. All right. Well, they're fairly new to agriculture, although, as we know, they've been used in other markets, such as landscaping, golf, for a long time. So tell us a little bit about them. How do they work? Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, Excuse me. So the way uh, irrigation water optimizers or irrigation chemistries work is, is we put them into two categories. The first category is the ability to reduce surface tension. And so we call those products um, infiltration surfactants. And their characteristics are to reduce surface tension, which allows water to move uh, more effectively into and throughout the plant root zone. And coincidentally, it can also carry the input that are included in water. So nutrients, uh, any kind of uh, 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 specialized chemistries that the grower may be using can more effectively be spread throughout the soil profile. The second uh, group of chemistries are the uh, hydration surfactants. And these are designed more to retain plant available water over time. So if a grower is is looking to... uh, reduce periods of of stress, which uh, will subsequently lead to better crop yield, crop quality, the ability to perhaps uh, better manage or reduce irrigation input and and effectively uh, improve their return on investment. That's kind of the group uh, that that falls into. And what we do at Precision is we combine the two, and we've had actually our best results with products that have various ratios of the water movers, the infiltration surfactants, and the hydrators, which are the uh, hydration surfactants or the water retention product. So that's kind of how the, the products work and what they do and how we categorize. Okay, so it's basically, you know, a, uh, a container of a chemical that a farmer would buy and inject into their irrigation system, if I'm understanding correctly. And um, the chemical would help water enter into the soil, which is, for those that don't know that, I mean, sometimes that's a problem. Sometimes the, you know, there's like opposite charges and the water just kind of runs off the surface, right, into um, streams or ditches and you don't get 
the use of the water or the nutrients in the water, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're running off, that's not good. So this this uh, additive would help the water actually penetrate and overcome those charges and penetrate into the soil where we want it, along with the nutrients. So that's one of the uh, mechanisms of action. And then the mm-hmm. other way is uh, that it works is to actually help the soil hold the water. Is that correct? That, that's the, correct. The that's correct. Yeah. And we have the so ability to sell products that do one or the other or combination products that do both. So typical ways that a grower would use these products, maybe someone with sandy soils and somebody that wants to actually retain the water into the soil profile rather than running through? Yes, yeah, so to, you're, you're correct. Uh, if we look at the soil triangle, those hydration surfactants really work best in, in the coarse soil, the sand, and they do exactly as you described. They, they allow the, uh, the soil to hold plant available water over time. And so what that does is it allows the plant to, uh, to survive those, those periods of stress that it's, it's prone to go through over the, the life of the crop. And what we've seen with a lot of third-party and university research is, is that that leads to better yield, if yield is important to the grower. Yield, uh, uh, it, it also uh, lends itself to better quality of crops. So if we're looking at table grapes, wine grapes, uh, fruits, vegetables, where quality is important, we look at that. And it does allow the grower also to decide uh how they, they best optimize the use of the water that they have available. Uh, so those tend to, to do best in the, in the coarse soil. However, if, if a grower is uh, trying to, uh, to grow crops on tighter soil, clays, um, we have the ability to uh, reduce the surface tension with, with the infiltration products. And what this does is, is uh, the, the first thing a grower will see is, is an expanded pattern out of a drip. And, and you and I have discussed this before. I think the irrigation industry is doing a great job of, of selling more efficient ways to irrigate and the equipment for a grower to use to decide when and how much water to apply. But if that water droplet isn't interacting properly with the soil, a lot of that uh, effort has gone for naught. And so, and so what we do is, is we help that interaction between the water and the soil. And we can do it across a broad range of crops, whether it's a tight crop, uh, soil or it's a coarse soil. Yeah, and you mentioned that, you know, if a grower would want uh, better yields and, you know, hey, uh, which grower does not want better yields? Uh, that's, uh, yeah. if, this, if this kind of uh, water management uh, helper can help the grower get better yields or better quality. And, of course, on the other side of the ledger um, sheet, uh, maybe save some resources. That all leads to increased uh, profitability, right? I mean, why wouldn't they want to do that? It, it, it does. And, and, again, we've worked with some third-party researchers. Uh, we, we, did a, uh, we did a study on strawberries in Oxnard, California, recently. And the grower was able to... Um, the grower was able to increase their return on investment uh, tremendously. Uh, they, they were able to harvest another um, somewhere around twelve hundred dollars per acre uh, out of out of their uh, their crops 
using uh, the appropriate irrigation water optimizer. Oh, well, that's, that's a tremendous benefit considering um, the cost of doing this, which is um, less than $100 an acre. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. At, at a suggested retail uh, a, a grower, even of a uh, perennial crop where they may be doing four or five applications over the life of the, the, the crop um, or the season, rather. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be somewhere in the range of between uh, 60 and, and $100 per acre. Yeah. Boy, if you can get $1,200 back from uh, putting $100 in, that seems like a pretty good, pretty good investment to me. It is. And, it is. And then... And then we have, um, uh, from the Irrigation Association presentation, uh, Daniel uh, Robledo's, uh, an agronomist from the Napa Valley, um, you know, his case study of the, the grower not having to replace the vineyard, what was that worth to him? Yeah, it, uh, it, it was tremendous. In that situation, um, as you said, the grower was, was looking at replacing some blocks uh, at, the, at probably a cost of about $75,000 per block or per acre, rather. Uh, and so two years ago, uh, Daniel, who is a uh, PCA in the state of California, um, started using one of our irrigation water optimizers. And uh, what he found first is, is just that interaction between the water and, so- and soil was improved. He, he got back to us and he said, hey, the drip pattern is, is more expanded. Uh, and then he started to see other things. He saw that the utilization of the inputs that he was using uh, on the grower's vineyard uh, were more effective, uh, and the maticides were performing better, uh, fungicides were performing better, and that's because of the more uniform movement throughout the, the, the root zone. And then the second year of the trial, which was last year, actually those, those blocks that were in jeopardy uh, were producing at a at a pace very close to some of their stronger blocks, and so they've made the decisions not to not to replace those blocks. And so, when you think about the time and the labor and everything involved, uh, that was that was a, a, a an outstanding situation for the grower. Well, you think about it. I mean, just be, like you were saying, just because we're irrigating um, efficiently with great equipment like like drip irrigation equipment from the Toro company, yeah. it doesn't mean that the water is actually getting into the soil profile and interacting with the roots and actually, you know, quenching the plant's thirst. And mm-hmm. uh, you can be irrigating, and yet the, the, the crop can be dying of thirst uh, just because the water is running off or running through. And so if this can help get the water where it's needed and retain for the crop growing cycle, I can just imagine. I mean, that's just um, uh, really a lot of upside for the grower, and especially in the high-end vineyard business like Daniel works in. You know, he, he was saying that the value of that vineyard to not be replaced was just thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars per acre for the grower. So well done. Uh, nice job, Precision Labs, on, on helping that grower um salvage uh, a very high-end vineyard well thank you and we have to we have to give daniel some of the credit the, the flexibility of thinking and the uh the willingness to to try a new uh, technology if you will i i think uh, yeah. kind of helped him down that path 
sure, sure. And, you know, Daniel was even saying that you could see right away that the wetting pattern from the drip irrigation system was was better. You know, the water, once it had the irrigation water optimizer injected into the water, the water pattern, you know, from the surface just looking at it um, would start to seep out further laterally rather than going straight straight down or off. So I, I think that's a huge uh, opportunity for the drip irrigation industry because a lot of what what the industry sells is the wedding pattern, you know, a blackened bed and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. getting getting the water where we want it in a row crop or an orchard situation. And if this can help that wedding pattern, um, you know, help the grower get the wedding pattern they want, uh, it can be really valuable. So I, I, I'm excited about this technology. I really want to see more of it in agriculture, not just in the turf grass industry. Yeah, those, those visual signals are often the first uh, things that, that get a grower interested in. As you said, the, the improved spread pattern is one thing. The other thing we've, we've noticed uh, in, in situations where crops were being produced on more medium uh, to fine textured soils is less runoff. Growers actually will, will call after they've trialed a product and say, hey, I don't see the water running out of the field and, and carrying nutrients along with it. So... Uh, it's those visuals that the grower notices first, and and over time, it's it's the the second part of it, the ability to retain during the the periods of stress that that really then start to show the grower the differences in the crop uh, when it comes up to to yield or quality. So those those first uh, visuals are are very important when we're working with a grower, uh, just to get them to see that there is a different pattern of interaction. Yeah, well, you had the video with the grower testimonials, basically saying that, yeah, seeing is believing. We could we could actually see it. And then when you looked at the instrumentation, the soil moisture sensors that were installed to actually document the data, that then you can prove that yeah, the water is now staying in the root zone and it's not running off. Which we know that water running off of agricultural fields in California, especially if it's full of fertilizers, is a huge deal. We don't want that to happen. We don't want it to go into the rivers and streams, nor do we want it to go below the root zone into the, the groundwater. So lots of compelling reasons for uh, farmers to look at this technology, not only for productivity, but also for you know environmental and regulatory compliance. Yes, yes. So in the past, Don, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, the possibility that these soil, um, that, that these irrigation water optimizers might be able to help growers with another conundrum. You know, they need to leach their fields of salt with irrigation water, but at the same time, sometimes the nitrogen fertilizers leach into the groundwater as well, which, they, which we don't want. Is there a possibility that irrigation water optimizers could help, you know, selectively retain the nitrate fertilizers in the root zone while at the same time allowing the salt to leach out? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Inge. And uh, we do have some some work that we've done on that. Uh, we we did some work uh, at uh, NC State University, actually in greenhouse and sand columns. So we took the crop out of it. And, and they basically used a, uh, 
uh, a control that was a, a combination of uh, UAN32 and thiosol, which are, are common fertilizers used by, by growers across the country. Uh, and that was a control. And then they did that same exact application with, uh, with uh, one of our irrigation water optimizers. And what they saw is that the, um, the nitrates in, uh, measured in parts per million at, at the soil surface were, were lower. But then in the root zone, down to about 16 to 18 inches, uh, they were actually higher and more readily available for a plant. And then below that, there was no significant leaching. And we, we actually have had uh, a study done in California showing the same thing and one in Colorado. And then concurrently, as we were doing other studies, we, we had um, some of the researchers uh, come back and, uh, and tell us that, that one of the things they were seeing is as they were taking soil tests was reduced sodium levels. And uh, we know from our work in the, in the turf industry, we, we did some work years ago at the University of Georgia, that we could utilize these chemistries to, to remove or to help flush sodium from, from the, uh, the, the turf grass root zone. So right now, uh, Dr. Rob Osborne, who's responsible for our research and development, is, is continuing to pursue uh, some of these uh, things so that we can, we can have a better explanation to it. But yeah, the indicators are that nitrates and, and things that we want to be available to the plant can be maintained there in, in a usable amount. And, and we are seeing the movement of sodium uh, past the, the plant root zone. So uh, really interesting stuff, and, and there's, there's going to be some future work done on that. Yeah, I can just imagine that there would be a line outside your door if, if you're able to, you know, help growers in that way. And yes. I might just ask, is there... Um, are you are you interested in in uh, doing some trials or um, you know having having working with some growers in that respect here in California? That um, and if so, can they uh, reach out to you or some of some of your uh, colleagues in the state? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we are always interested in working with uh, with with growers on trials. Um, that's that's actually been probably the the best way for us to establish these products in the market is, is to get a grower to do a trial. And once they, uh, they do a trial, they typically become a customer because they see some of these beneficial characteristics, uh, you know, that are, are associated uh, with the utilization of the product. So, yeah, we're definitely yeah. interested in, uh, in conducting uh, trials with, uh, with growers. All right. Well, with the one minute that we have left, um would you like to provide a name or a phone number or a uh, website that um, maybe our listening audience could call into if they're interested in doing a trial? Yeah, so uh, you could contact our, our office. And uh, let's see, I, probably the, the person to ask for would be uh, Dr. Rob Osborne. Okay. And uh, Rob... Contact information is um, uh, rosborne at precisionlab.com. And his uh, direct number is uh, 
304-1268. Again, he is our uh, our person responsible for uh, developing these new products and doing our research and development. And so that would be a good uh, a good contact information. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much, John, for joining us uh, this evening and for the presentation of the Irrigation Association. We look forward to um, working more with IWOs, and congratulations on your retirement. Uh, enjoy yourself, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Ingie, and I appreciate the opportunity.